Before we begin, I'd like to announce a sponsor that basically is just me sponsoring myself. A few months ago, I got the broad idea to offer my services across all platforms as a freelancer and calling it Walking P Productions. This means I can create a website, design graphics, take photos, and write for anybody who wants to hire me. This is a relatively new business venture, therefore my services are somewhat discounted right now. So if you need a web designer, graphic designer, photographer, or writer, please contact me via email at walkingpproductions at gmail.com or visit my website at www.walkingpproductions.com. I will have all of this contact information in the description of this podcast. Walking P Productions, where old-timey tales meet modern media. The surprising number of American adults who think chocolate milk comes from brown cows. The Washington Post headline read. Today, in November of 2020, this headline jumped out to me just as much as it did the first time I saw it back in 2017. The story began. 7% of all American adults believe that chocolate milk comes from brown cows, according to a nationally representative online survey commissioned by the Innovation Center of U.S. Dairy. If you do the math, that works out to about 16.4 million misinformed, milk-drinking people. The equivalent of the population of Pennsylvania, and then some, does not know that chocolate milk is milk, cocoa, and sugar. Now, there's a lot more to that story. That's just a little bit of it. And honestly, I suggest you get your giggles and snide comments out of the way now, which I know you had because I had them too. But the rest of this podcast is nothing to laugh or sneer about. From the Activist vs. Agriculture audio archives, I'm Improvise. And this is the age of agricultural illiteracy. So what is the root of this problem and how can we fix it? This is a question that I, just like many ag communicators, have been asking for, well, as long as I can remember. And the problem starts with ag literacy or illiteracy for that matter. Go on ahead and jump right into it, um, if that's cool with you. Yep, that's fine. Do I sound fine to you? Yep, you sound good. Um, Great. So why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, how you're involved in the ag industry and um, ag communication. I'm Hannah Thompson-Weeman, and I am the Vice President of Communications at the Animal Agriculture Alliance. The Alliance is a non That's Hannah Thompson from the Animal Agriculture Alliance, a nonprofit organization that brings together farmers, ranchers, veterinarians, animal feed companies, animal health companies, processors, allied associations, and others involved in getting food from the farm to our forks. 
I mentioned that the Alliance's mission is to bridge the communication gap between farm and fork, and that really is, is what we see as the concept of ag literacy. So similar to literacy in general, it's kind of your understanding of something, your exposure to something. So ag literacy, we typically use that in the context of consumers who aren't connected to agriculture. You've probably heard what a small percentage of the population is involved in production agriculture today. People are increasingly removed generations and generations from the farm. So a lot of people don't have any personal connection or background knowledge of animal agriculture or agriculture in general. So that's what we at the Alliance see as that gap from farm to fork, and unfortunately that seems to be getting wider. According to agfoundation.org, an agriculturally literate person, quote, understands how the agricultural industry works. Not just where food comes from, but who grows it. Agriculture's effect on the economy, environment, technology, lifestyle, and its relationship to livestock, end quote. In turn, we could define a person who is agriculturally illiterate as the exact opposite, someone who doesn't understand how the ag industry works beyond picking up a sack of spuds at the grocery store and never thinking twice about the backbreaking work which went into getting those potatoes to the consumer. Agriculture, as we know in our hearts and concurred by our government at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, is essential. And in my opinion, agricultural literacy is also essential because every single person on the face of this planet has to eat, has to be clothed, and has to have a roof over their head. Switching gears a little here, we're going to talk about sharing your story, which is something that I'm sure many of you listeners are sick of hearing me talk about. Uh, but truly, I cannot say this enough or stress its importance enough. If people don't have a certain degree of ag literacy, again, they don't have any personal connection, it's typically not taught in schools very regularly, then that can leave them susceptible to believing the myths and misinformation that we see out there about agriculture. And in animal agriculture, a lot of times that's large-scale modern production. And another role of the Alliance is monitoring activist organizations who are focused on spreading myths and misinformation. <laughs> so they're trying to take advantage of that gap between farm and fork to fill it in with a version of animal agriculture that we would not agree with. So that's why it's so important for all of us who are involved in the industry to step up and make those connections and help people with a better understanding of agriculture and where to turn to for reliable sources. If we never told our story, many consumers would just be happy heading to the butcher counter to grab slab of steaks and never digging deeper beyond the beef, which not too long ago was weirdly enough okay. However, in recent years, we've seen the rise of social media coupled with businesses who outwardly condemn livestock production and conventional farming while blatantly lying about the ag industry. I know you've been reading my column or blog or listening to this podcast for quite a while now, and I'm sure I'm starting to sound like a broken record here, but I keep covering this issue because I personally believe there's not enough emphasis on the importance of agricultural illiteracy. As agriculturalists, we must inform our consumers about their food because guess what? PETA is, Beyond Beef is, and so is Impossible Foods. You know, the company whose CEO's mission is to abolish animal agriculture by 2035 and yes, he's on record saying that many, many times. These enemies of agriculture are out there acting like junior high girls, spreading rumors and telling half-truths to make themselves look better and deter any consumer from trusting their loyal friend, 
agriculture ever again. So tell us a little bit about those organizations, um, which I I see them on a daily basis, you know, like PETA and even the Humane Society, you know, things that, and PETA is one of those deals where clearly they have an agenda, but the Humane Society technically should be a little bit more professional, I've always thought of anyways. So talk a little bit about those organizations and what they're doing to capitalize on people being illiterate in agriculture. The Alliance has been monitoring animal rights activism since we got started back in 1987. So we have quite a bit of history in this area and have seen a lot of trends, a lot of shifts. We have group profiles on more than 175 different organizations who are targeting and being negative towards animal agriculture in one way or another. And you really hit the nail on the head about the fact that these groups intentionally use very different tactics. We have a graphic on our website, which we call our activist web, which shows how well connected and well funded all of these organizations are. So there's connections between a lot of the very prominent groups where funding or project collaboration or staff are flowing back and forth. Even as you said, from some of the groups that are very upfront about how extreme they are, PETA is very direct about the fact that they want everyone to go vegan. Groups like Direct Action Everywhere are very blunt about the fact that they want animal liberation. But there are other organizations, and you mentioned HSUS, that position themselves as being more professional and more moderate and more focused on animal welfare. Um, But really, that's a tactic towards a longer-term goal uh, of ending animal agriculture. They're just intentionally taking a different method to do that. Uh, because they believe it will help them be taken seriously in the media and by restaurant and retail brands and other influencers. So make no mistake, there are a lot of different groups out there, and they're all using different personas, different tactics, but ultimately their goal is to end animal agriculture and have us all be following veganism. Well, it can be very daunting as someone in animal agriculture or even a farmer or rancher to see exactly what we're up against and the scale of these organizations. I mentioned funding. Uh, Not even all of those 175 groups we have profiles on, just some of the groups that we consider to be the most active here in the U.S., Uh, They're bringing in $550 million annually in income. So that's in contributions either from general consumers. You know, we've all seen the commercials with the sad dog and cat and Sarah McLachlan song in the background, that type of fundraising. Or there are several very well-funded philanthropic organizations. For example, one is called the Open Philanthropy Project, and it was started by one of the founders of Facebook. So clearly has a lot of funding behind it. And they have a board member who's very passionate about animal issues. They have hired staff from the Humane Society of the United States to run their animal programs. And they are giving tens of millions of dollars to these activist groups for their campaigns, for operating funds. Uh, So make no mistake, that's one of the points of the web, you know, showing the funding flowing back and forth. This is a very well-funded movement. Now, again, I think something that's important to keep in mind when this seems very daunting is that we are talking about a very small percentage of the population. I try to be very clear, you know, the Alliance has no opinion on what you eat. We are all about consumer choice. So just making sure people have accurate information when they are making food purchasing decisions. So whether that is a diet that includes meat or even a vegetarian or vegan diet, that is no issue at all. Our concern is about activism and people that, again, are using myths or misinformation 
to promote uh, animal rights and convince others to move in that direction. So already when we talk about vegetarians or vegan diets, we're talking about a small percentage of the population. Here in the US, it's about five to 7% and that's been stable for decades. And then even smaller percentage of that, again, are activists and trying to push people in that direction. So while they can seem really loud and looking at things like that activist web can be intimidating, Ultimately, these people are not speaking for your customer. They are not speaking for the general consumer. It's a very small but very fervent number uh, of dedicated folks who consider themselves to be activists and who are working in that animal rights space. So again, the objective of that web is to show who some of the major groups are and how they are connected, how people do flow back and forth again, from groups like the Animal Liberation Front who have been put on watch lists and they've had folks been prosecuted for some of their actions to groups like the Humane Society uh, that again, position themselves as being professional and moderate to be taken more seriously. So there is a lot going on in the activist movement and, and fortunately or unfortunately, that's why the Alliance is here to try to keep an eye on that on behalf of the industry. I often ask myself how these anti-ags can get away with dispersing non-factual information and it all boils down to an ethics issue. Some people tell the truth, whether it's ugly or not, and some people tell lies to make themselves look less ugly. Case in point, these fake meat companies tell consumers just how terrible agriculture is for the environment and throw out inflated statistics from biased and invalid studies to make the consumers feel bad in the name of global warming. But what these companies neglect to tell the consumer is the amount of carbon dioxide which would be released in the air from their factories and farming equipment and just how much of the rainforest actually would be bulldozed down every year to go soybeans. You know, the main ingredient in fake meat or alternative protein products. Or how about PETA, aka the bane of animal ag's existence and their genius marketing tactics. I do not say that sarcastically. PETA is great at what they do and it all comes down to marketing. PETA will find a video, or better yet, go undercover to create a video, of the one in a million animal abuse money shot. I'll admit, sometimes PETA and organizations just like it will speak the truth and show the evil of a certain person's heart. But I've never once seen them dig into what the everyday livestock producers do and how they do it. And you know, after seeing the time, energy, and money spent by anti-animal agriculture promoters to speak out against ag, I can see why many consumers are agriculturally illiterate. How could you not be illiterate if you were told incorrect information, which is packaged as the ugly truth about agriculture? It saddens me to drive down the road and see a billboard advocating against agriculture to millions. It fries my brain to look at some of the posts in my anti-ag Facebook groups where average consumers have been swayed into believing the lies being told about agriculture. And it tears me up inside to see my grandpa and people just like him be ridiculed for feeding the world. But you know what? We can combat this. We can make this right. We can inform consumers about the truth in their food. We just have to do it in a way that they can understand. What can an average consumer do? I always use like the example of, you know, there's a suburban mom who she's kind of on the fence about it. She doesn't really know what to believe. She's seeing Facebook posts um, advocating against agriculture, you know, from PETA, people are sharing it. But how, how can a consumer 
go out and actually become more aware of agriculture and the truth about agriculture. The folks you just described, the people that don't really have any affinity or connection to agriculture and just have some questions or curiosity, that is exactly you know who we need to be reaching. And we call that the movable middle. So it's not us that are so passionate and so ingrained in agriculture. It's not the activists who are the other side of that extreme spectrum. It's the people that fall somewhere in between. And luckily, people are more interested than ever in where their food comes from. Everything that's gone on with COVID-19 and the supply chain disruptions has really driven a lot of interest in understanding the supply chain and where our food comes from and supporting farms and ranches. So this is an excellent opportunity to be there and be answering those questions. So if you are a consumer uh, and you're looking for information, first of all, thank you for taking that step and looking into it and being curious and wanting more. Uh, you can find a lot of great sources. I would encourage you to be very skeptical about what you find. Uh, so again, if you do a Google search for some of these topics, unfortunately, a lot of that activist content is going to be there front and center. So consider where the information is coming from. Is there an agenda behind it? You know, the best way is to connect directly uh, to a farmer or rancher and get their insight, get their perspective. That's again, why farmers and ranchers need to be on social media. So when someone has a question, they can find you and they can ask it and get it answered. People tend to trust other people much more than they trust a company or an organization. People trust someone they have a human connection with. And even on social media, we're finding as an organization that it's so hard to get our posts in front of people because the social media platforms are prioritizing content shared by individual people with their connections versus pages, which is, you know, pretty much is how it should be a way for us to connect with one another. Uh, so basically, you know, feed your curiosity, seek out that information from reputable sources uh, and best case scenario, you know, go straight to the source and reach out to a farmer or rancher. How exactly can just your average, you know, producer, farmer, rancher, how can they help with ag literacy and building that up in the United States? I think it's really critical that all of us engage in animal agriculture, but most importantly, farmers and ranchers themselves are being outspoken advocates for our industry. And I know some people might say, you know, I didn't become a rancher because I want to communicate. That's for people like you to do. Uh, but your voice carries so much more weight living this day to day. And we're already a small community. So we everyone who's involved needs to be using their voice to have these conversations. And it's really not about communications. It's about your freedom to operate. Uh, because if you aren't there talking to legislators, talking to restaurant retail brands, talking to consumers and answering their questions, again, there are very passionate, very aggressive groups that want to be there and want to tell them a version of farming and ranching that none of us would agree with. So it's our responsibility to be at the table and part of that dialogue. And we need farmers and ranchers to do that. So one way of getting involved is, is, of course, social media. I'm sure a lot of you have heard that advice before, but having your own presence, having a page for your farm or your ranch where you're sharing information, you're sharing photos, sharing videos, sharing the story of what goes on every day. Uh, and for that, it's important to try to make sure we're not preaching to the choir, so not just sharing content to one another. Get involved with Facebook groups of dietitians or your favorite uh, sports team, whatever hobby you have, and just establish yourself there. Uh, but make it known that you do have a background in agriculture so people think of you when they have questions. Beyond social media, you can also establish yourself in person in your community. So just being a leader, 
sponsoring the local sports team, speaking to a civic organization, any ways you can establish yourself as a credible source on agriculture so people go to you to get their questions answered is exactly what we need to be doing. This isn't new advice, certainly, you know, people have been told, tell your story over and over again, but I think it's really important for farmers and ranchers to understand the why. Uh, and again, if, if you aren't talking about this and you aren't sharing it, really influential people are only going to be hearing one side of the story. So we aren't just telling you this, you know, because we're communicators and we love to communicate. It's because it's really essential, like I mentioned earlier, to maintain your freedom to operate. We can't blame, you know, legislators for passing policies we don't agree with if they never heard from us about why it's a concern. Mm -hmm. And we can't blame restaurant and retail brands for adopting a new animal welfare policy that an activist group was pressuring them into if none of us came to the table to explain why it was problematic. So we need to be there and make sure that we are making our voice heard because I know we're just as passionate as those groups. Uh, we just need to make sure we're investing the time in getting those messages out there. As we're entering the holiday season, many of us will be surrounded by friends and family. And I challenge everyone listening to this to go out of their way to make a truthful statement about agriculture to somebody in that party. Whether it be telling your grandkid that chocolate milk doesn't come from brown cows or getting that same grandkid to teach you how to repost a video on Facebook explaining the exact same concept, we've got to do something and we have to do it now. We hold all the power in the world to tell our story. But in order to do that, we have to quit complaining about agricultural illiteracy and actually do something to fix it. So do your part. Tell the truth in food. Again, if you're in need of a web designer, graphic designer, photographer, or writer, please contact me via email at walkingpproductions at gmail.com or visit my website at www.walkingpproductions.com. Walking P Productions, where old-timey tales meet modern media. And thank you so much to Hannah for agreeing to visit with me about this subject. You can follow along with the Animal Agriculture Alliance on all social platforms and visit their website at www.animalagalliance.org. For Activists versus Agriculture, I'm Improvise. And whether you're eating a carnivorous diet or a plant-based diet this holiday season, be sure to thank an agriculturalist because they're the reason why your belly's full. <laughs>